so that we are all clear, when I said if there's grass on the field, play ball, I was talking about the girls' softball team. But not the way you think. I have a lot to get off my popos with this movie. <laughs> my God. <laughs> I've made no secret to you that I have a prior history with this movie. But I realize now that I should have told the whole story. In the interest of whatever impartiality we, the class of Video High, could potentially stick with a pickaxe as we attempt to free solo this puzzlingly sheer rock face that is the movie A Gnome Named Gnorm. <laughs> I love this movie so much. And it's one of those movies that I come back to at the end of deep conversations, every once in a while erupting with joy besides someone else who had seen it. First released in the Philippines in 1990 under the title Upworld, The Magic Little Alien. <laughs> then in Japan in 1991 as Ganomu Boku no or Gnome, My Lovely Partner. <laughs> In Mexico as Dos Tipos Moy Monos, or Two Very Cute Guys. <laughs> Appropriately in Spain, it was released under simply Gnome Cop, and very inappropriately, it was partially released in the USA as Space Cop. What? <laughs> so to no surprise, you run into people who have seen it, Rarely. <laughs> I myself saw it on a VHS recorded off the TV by my grandfather when I was too young to remember. This had become a hallmark of his birthday gifts, the sort of bootleg style of home movies. But this was a very formative way to watch them. The movies I remember from these tapes really stand out, and a gnome named Gnorm stands high above them. In today's essay, I will explain that this is all a result of mind control. <laughs> there it is, there it is. Directed by Stan Winston. That's right, the man who designed the panther and hawk transformations in the 1983 television series Manimal. <laughs> and then in the middle of a string of mostly small forgettable movies, he tells this story of Good Norm. A gnome who lives deep within the surface of the earth, kept alive by the warmth and the light of the lumen. The shiniest shiny that ever twinkled is losing some of its twinkling shiny shine. So Gnorm <laughs> pries it out of another's cold dead grip. <laughs> To I bring thought that it was to a wizard staff. That was like a staff. No, no, that was a hand. No. That was a mummified hand. No, it was like a druid staff. No, 100%. I can test this. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll word it another way. So Gnorm pries it out of the, what is obviously, Jamie, a desiccated corpse. What are you talking about? It is clearly a hand, and he brings- I was ja I'm team Jamie, actually. I yeah. think- uh, I'm not. I this, is, was... this, is, this, is, this is an outrage. This is the book report. I was told I had time. I was told, <laughs> Your Honor. He has not yielded the floor. No matter from whom he took the lumen, 
he brings the lumen up to Upworld, which you know as World. <laughs> <laughs> Popping up in the middle of an LAPD diamond sting gone wrong. Headed by our certified movie celebrity box office dinosauric star, Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> Playing the hyperactive goofball yet strong-willed defender of justice, Detective Casey. He has a last name, but everybody calls him Casey. They're all on a first name basis with Casey because they don't respect Casey. Where the hell is Casey? Casey, I want to see you in my office. Casey, this isn't a game. You're a screw-up, Casey. Go home, Casey, now! You've really lost your mind, Casey! In my head, hearing the name Casey would do something slightly different, hemodynamically. The patterns of activation in my left middle temporal cortex matches patterns the brain goes through when one makes a judgment call on oneself, in areas of the brain tied to a point of view and self-interest. By hearing my name over and over again, this movie entered the space holding my identity. When the diamond dealer is blown to bits by a suitcase bomb left by a dangerous and mysterious man from the shadows, Gnorm is the only witness to what would be a career-making and saving case for Casey. While hot on the heels of a murderer, Casey must live up to the expectations of his partner and job wife, Sam, get one over on that no-good square-jawed dingus Kaminsky, and contend with the disappointment of his chief and surrogate father, played by the late great senior homicide detective Lenny Briscoe, a real person. <laughs> <laughs> but move over, Casey, because the real star here is Gnome, named Gnorm as himself. <laughs> Stan Winston's legacy in cinema is undeniable and indelible. Think of the creatures he put into our zeitgeist. He breathed life into every puppet, because even with his complicated robotics, he considered the true artistry of his work to be the puppetry. A movie creature is a performance. So, of course, he'd figured out how to hack into people's brains. What the hell did Stan Winston put in my head? He's an L.A. cop. He's a... Uh, a gnome. Right. A gnome. He's hot on the trail of a million bucks. He's after the... Uh, the... Uh, Lumen! Right. Two guys with nothing in common. Giant robots. Well, almost nothing. Take it easy, will you? You gotta concentrate. They've got to work together and get it together before everything blows apart. Upworld, the normal, it's gonna knock. And the bell means the beginning of class here at Video High. Time to take the roll. First up, Greg Hansen. Much like Gnorm, I too. I'm shooting at the walls of heartache. Bang, bang. I am the warrior. <laughs> Not just a fucking tunneler. <laughs> Damn. Jamie Kennedy. I can not believe I watched the naked ganak of a gnome named Ganorm in what I gnotion we are calling Sig Ganema. I also can not believe I can now have the knowledge of what a gnome gluteus looks like. Or should I say a gnome roundy? <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm so glad that I rewrote this opening thought in the last two minutes because my opening thought was not for nothing, but I'd like to know how Gnorm would pronounce ganache. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's pretty good. Casey Regan, here for this. <laughs> Not more than present. 
I am here for this. I like that you introduced yourself. (laughs) Well, he also is like dissociating between Casey (laughs) and and Detective Casey. Casey. Josh Roth. (laughs) Casey, this is the best Hanukkah gift I've ever been given. Happy first night of Hanukkah, everybody. Mazel Tov. Happy Hanukkah, guys. Hava. Good Norma. (laughs) No, everything I said in the beginning there was true. I do remember this movie from when I was a kid, but so many of the details escaped me. Like, this movie's so insane, it did feel like watching it for the first time. That's such a beautiful... A uniform but individual aspect of growing up where everyone has like a movie that that is special to them that no one else has seen and when you find another person who has somehow seen that movie it's explosive um i cannot say that i am one of those people i have never heard of this movie until this moment but thank you for sharing this gift with me casey i was thinking about this too that it was really my one experience with any sort of bootleg culture was a very small (laughs) closed loop of me and my grandfather there there wasn't much of a culture to it but like we grew up in the time when gin (laughs) (laughs) right that yeah bathtub Good gin? <laughs> no, 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 only N words. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, that tape thing, it, yeah, it's such a specific 1992 vibe um, where we have boxes of VHS tapes at home that, like, my, my dad would record, like, five movies off the television at any given time. And, like, right. some of them had rhyme and reason. Like, we had one tape that somehow miraculously had the Muppet movie, The Great Muppet Caper, and The Muppets Take Manhattan on it. And so oh you're like, God. great, that's our Muppet tape. But then some were just, like, the most baffling. It's like, out of Africa and contact. And you're like, why right. are these together on one tape? Absolutely. <laughs> Finally, together at last was that tape with all the muppets movies on it labeled a perfect evening Uh, in our hearts it was (laughs) this one is so funny because my memory of it is it was much more of a kids movie (laughs) no this gnome is way too horny uh for kids this movie is pg Wow. I'm going to be sending letters to the MPAA. <laughs> yeah, no, this movie ends, not to spoil everything, but it ends with a gnome saying, make her toes curl. That's the last line. And I thought yeah. if that had shifted into a horrific, like, pseudo-sexual horror movie after that, I wouldn't have been surprised. Like, it was <laughs> right. a huge tonal shift. <laughs> I mean, at the the end of the movie is the start of a Cronenberg movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, he t- tunnels back into the earth and then comes out of James Spader's chest. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the movie was originally called Upworld. I kind of like Upworld as a better title, actually. No, I- How fucking dare you? No, well, a gnome named Norm is the perfect way to trick people into thinking this is a family movie. Yeah. Upworld- but it is. It's PG, guys. <laughs> no, but Upworld is more appropriate in, like, what it's it's trying to be, like, take labyrinth but put it in the lapd like that's what upworld feels like to me right yeah upworld is the like buddy cop yes fantasy movie that this is and tries to be upworld describes the fact that he gets a fucking boner a lot right oh my god (laughs) oh that's upsetting we open the movie opens with this like really fucking sweet sequence of uh gnorm taking the lumen which is a brilliant but fading (laughs) infinity stone yeah (laughs) and that's our first like wide shot of this 
beautiful subterranean world. It like hinted at this world of, I don't know, mystic wonder underneath our Earth's surface. These credits went on forever. They extended, I think, like four minutes of the movie. And fucking Blues Traveler is just banging out the theme song. <laughs> sure. <laughs> This movie, as opposed to Kung Fu Rascals, I could believe that the actual Les Claypool did the music. Because <laughs> yes. like all through these credits, the bassist is going fucking hard. <laughs> and how many movies have we had where there has been an introducing uh, fictional character as himself? Because I feel like it has been all Not enough. Not enough. Not enough, yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, they got Gnorm the Gnome, who I assume this movie is... Telling the story of the true story of good, <laughs> like this is amazing. What's another movie where a person plays themselves in a fictionalized portrayal of their life that's this good? John Malkovich? Yeah, maybe. You know what? Honestly, <laughs> had that ready. But even that, the fiction of that movie is too cerebral. Like Muhammad Ali was in this movie called The Greatest, which is a sort of like autobiography movie. It's like covers the rumble in the jungle, and it's cool because it's Muhammad Ali playing himself as himself but he's not that great well, and Ganorm is really good like what what a move to introduce a fictional character but never let up that he's not fictional like they don't let you off the hook through the no. end like poor Rob Paulson legendary Rob Paulson oh. doesn't even get credited as Norm's voice he only gets vocal magic at the very, very end of the credits. I mean, one of the most prolific voice actors to ever live. Yakko. Rob Paulson. Yakko himself. Yakko. Right. Pinky. Donatello. Also, Raphael. But not Norm, because we need to keep up the ruse that Norm is a real person. No. There's a funny little bit of, I guess, inside baseball meta humor i don't know if it's you know it's it's definitely not intended as a joke but i sort of love it so many people were necessary to make the performance that is gnorm there were so many puppeteers and because stan winston considered everything that was like robotic in his creatures everything that went into the full performance puppetry they are all included in the like Screen Actors Guild as puppeteers. Oh, so actually awesome. the, the performance, what is the performance of Gnorm, is lots of people. There is so much to no credit for it. Like the puppeteering, it's dark crystal levels, I would say. Minus yeah. the lips. Let's, okay. Let's <laughs> go let, fight you wait, here. We're oh I'm I'm gonna fight maybe both of you because if the Gelflings were as interesting as Gnorm, <laughs> The Dark Crystal would be a good movie. Oh, fuck yeah, don't Greg. you drag wow, Dark wow, Crystal wow, through wow, the mud. Wow, wow. Dark Crystal fucking sucks, and it's because the Gelflings are the worst characters in fantasy movies. Oh my god. Greg, I love you so much. This is... <laughs> I finally... I've been afraid to say this my entire life. I have never stayed awake through the Dark Crystal. No, I haven't done it once. Out of the room right I, I've now. tried he's so many times. Everyone off. He says he's done. He says he's done with this podcast. Greg, I feel like chains got lifted <laughs> off my shoulders. Dark Crystal is a visionary masterpiece. The Gelflings are a horrifying, boring, 
creatures. I will give yeah, you that. Yeah, and we spend all the time with them. If we hung out no, with the Skeksis. The, fucking... the stars are the Skeksis. The stars of the movie are the Skeksis. But they're not. But they're not, dude. But it, but in a gnome named Gnorm, in a similar way, it's like ostensibly Norm is our main titular character who we don't spend nearly as much time with right. i mean he's titular it, in this version there's plenty of titles right. <laughs> right and yet he gets a third of the screen time as almost everyone else with the exception of my favorite man robert zadar um yes but but just yes. like the dark crystal if the movie was about yes. the skexies I'm in. But also, the Skeksis don't do anything. They walk around the fucking castle, and they're just like, yeah. like It's a lot of sizzle, not a lot of steak. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they're about as effective as the Nazis in um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, they go about their business, but like... I'm really glad you said Raiders of the, of the Lost Ark, because I was like, yeah. I was like, where are you going with this, Jamie? <laughs> not on Hanukkah, Jamie! Not on Hanukkah! <laughs> <laughs> The Skeksis have fallen into their hubris, which is why they are vulnerable. Uh... But why talk about such an obviously inferior movie when we have a gnome named Gnorm to talk Uh, about? Greed. For the audience who may have not seen this movie, go see this fucking movie. Go see it. Watch it. Watch it right away. What is stopping you? Yeah, this is available on Blu-ray. It is gorgeous uh but the mind-blowing the to to frame the puppet uh it's an interesting combination of live hand puppetry and then his face is an animatronic uh which is mostly lips Uh, (laughs) yeah there is no jaw movement well the lips and it's disturbing as hell look i love a good pair of latex lips Uh, yeah as we've discussed (laughs) what's sexier bigfoots or or Uh, gnorms hard to say i had flashbacks to bigfoot's lips and it was awful the problem with with those comparisons is the lips to me while that's the frosting the cake is will always be the teeth. The lips are like just the <laughs> yeah. the lips oh, yeah. are the velvet curtain behind which the teeth <laughs> Those lie. massive like Ooh. horse teeth. Oh yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fucking Gnorm had like Clydesdale teeth. And they never <laughs> open. The jaw never opens. And it's so bizarre, but they bring so much detail into it that I cannot envision why they didn't move the jaw. Well, because g- gnomes don't move their jaw to speak. I mean, this is a known. <laughs> yeah, this is lore. Uh, it's a known yeah, zoological, it's a zoological <laughs> phenomena. I'm proven wrong. I mean, and also, it, while you're right, most of the dialogue seems to be through clenched teeth. Let's not say he never opens his mouth because <laughs> my man gets a few mouthfuls. Of ass in this movie, <laughs> oh, he gets he oh, takes a real chomp out of some butt I cheeks and some balls. Dirty. Yeah, my, my man goes to fucking lunch on a scrotum at one point. <laughs> oh, oh God. he he opens his mouth plenty. Maybe That's true. too much. To me, what he looked like, and I say this not to be a provocateur, when we see like his full body shot in front of the ocean, it's beautiful. This is a really beautiful It's a great moment. shot. Yeah, like the camera pulls back around and you see him like standing there uh, right. silhouetted by this, like the sun reflecting off the water. And it's actually, yeah, it's pretty cool. Wow. When it's swung around from his like face, his elongated 
big-lipped face, covered in a layer of dirt and hair. It showed that he's, you know, three feet tall or something like that. It reminded me of what scientists believe Christ looked like. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the other thing. We've talked about, uh, before we get into the plot, Norm's, like, physical functions as a puppet. But we also need to talk about Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry. (laughs) The proper pronunciation of his name is Gnorm. I am not going to let you or Detective Casey roll a race. Gnomic culture. Fair, fair, fair. You people, you world, you mentioned this before. Now, what are you talking about here? What are you? Gnome. A gnome. All right, so you're a gnome. What's your name, gnome? Gnome. First of all, if you were a gnome, you would know that the G in gnome is silent. It's gnome, okay? No, it's gnat. Don't push it with me. But we haven't talked about his linguistic properties, which are all over the map. Where like, <laughs> like can like do full sentence structure sometimes, but like oh, it calls butts roundies and boobs. Uh, popos. 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 Thank you. <laughs> he knows. Uh, he doesn't know what sunglasses are. That if a creature has sunglasses on, that means they're blind. Uh, they right. have no eyes. They have no eyes. They have no eyes. But then immediately picks it up as the cultural signifier for cool. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what they are. I think it means an absence of eyes. But it's definitely cool. (laughs) What's really great about this movie is... Everything. How little we learn about Gnorm, actually. It is amazing. There's so much lore that we don't get at all and is hinted at. Well, we get some lore. Gnorm warrior. You're a warrior. Human, make our world bright. Our food grow. Is it like the sun? You bring the lumen to the sun. You expose it to the sun and it recharges itself? Yes, if Lumen die, my people die. And then it's all wiped out when the great reveal is he's just an incel who like wants to get laid. <laughs> Warrior's total chance. <laughs> Tunnelers cut. <laughs> Feels good, good, man. You could take the implication that the Lumen's going out and everyone is already mostly dead. Right, <laughs> mostly that's what I was thinking. Dead. He's very cavalier about how long it takes to yes. get it back. Also, if there's a whole race of things that need this one tiny gem to live, don't you think that they probably have fucking guards and shit? Yes! <laughs> oh no, I think Gnorm took out all the guards. He went after their nuts. And he just <laughs> one by one took those sons of bitches down. That's possible. So do you think that there really is a gnome race? <laughs> ooh, ooh, I like this theory. I like this theory because I'm wondering if the Lumen is like the source of light for their entire society, why is it just hanging out in the dead hand of a gnome? If if you are saying that it was actually just taken from a mummified hand, I wonder if Gnorm is the only one and he's just bullshitting because the whole movie, he's bullshitting almost everything that he has said. But even if we were to just take what he says at the end, he, to win the hand of his puka steals the lumen because it needs to happen anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because he establishes that the warriors do it anyway. Right, but apparently the warriors are busy. (laughs) Yeah, but and and then he pops up and it's the middle of the fucking night in L.A. Oh, I mean, we should talk about his tunneling power. (laughs) We should talk about his powers. Oh, his multiple. Oh, my God. 
Unspecified yeah. powers. Unspecified powers. Unspecified just how powerful this person. This person. This gnome. For a moment there, he was alive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so number one, he can make people fall asleep with his mind and his yawning. Number two, he has super strength. Super strength, the ability to at greater efficiency than any machine known to all but the men in the movie The Core. can move his <laughs> arms fast enough and displace enough earth that he tunnels like Bugs Bunny through solid ground. Yep. And those are his powers. He also has very thick skin. Oh, also oh, that he is yeah. fucking bulletproof. Yeah, you're forgetting about the little fact that he's nearly invulnerable. <laughs> he's, he's an immortal being. So now that we've gone through the entire anatomy of what a gnome is, which I think is important preface, let's go oh, into Oh, I mean, we haven't gone through all of the anatomy because no. dude's no, got a nice ass. Save, we have to save it. We have to save, save it. Save the, the ass. We have to save the ass for the film. In due time. In due time. Yeah. yeah. Hey, bud, you seen Casey? Casey Gallagher? Oh, yeah. He was in last week. Sam, baby, lose your partner again? Kaminsky! Kaminsky, I've been looking all over for you. Good, my Zagnac bar. Very nice. Hey, where's the coffee you asked for, pal, huh? Where you been? I've been covering for you for half an hour. Sorry, Sam. I was down lockup with Ramon. Ramon the pimp? Ramon, my fashion consultant. Let's be introduced to this one precinct in the LAPD with uh, our hero, Detective <laughs> Casey, a.k.a. Doogie Hauser, MD, is a cop. <laughs> Doogie Hauser, LAPD. LAPD, yes, there it is. Thank you. Yeah, he's just like a boy cop. Yeah, yep. which is so fascinating to me because, like, I've seen Anthony Michael Hall in The Breakfast Club, and I've seen Anthony Michael Hall in his, like, late Twilight years, like, in Batman and things like that, and I've never really known, like, where the shift happened between them, and it was this. It was this movie. Like, you yeah. see his future self on his face. Right. Yeah, because he, and this is this is a movie where he has to encounter, like, the big boy world. Yeah. Also filmed, though... Two years before Edward Scissorhands, where oh, he plays right. the bully kid. Oh, yeah. The bully. Oh, my God. This is the end of Innocence. Right. This movie is a transition out of <laughs> Innocence movie. Out of weird science and into just regular science. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If this movie doesn't happen, he's not in yep. the TV version of The Dead Zone. Yes. <laughs> Which is great. The weird so thing about funny. him is how young he's still. Like he has such a baby face that it looks like they they got a fourteen year old to join the LAPD. It's Vincent Adultman. It's very yeah. much like two kids in a trench coat. <laughs> but he does have such like early Nick Cage energy, and it it, it vibrates oh, off the screen. Oh, oh. Right? Yeah. Listen, Casey. A lot of people are giving me flack about entrusting this case to the jerk who hasn't made detective. Look, Stan, I don't want you to worry about things, okay? Because it's all going to go fine. And then after work tonight, I'll go out with the guys and eat donuts. Holy mackerel! I love Anthony Michael Hall. I'm just, I'm oh, coming he's great. out and he's saying it. He's no, so he's good. And no, like, he's fucking awesome. And he brings movie. so but much he's to so this role. Funny. I will say, if you look at uh, people's discussion of this movie, they fucking rag on him. No, They're no. wrong. Like, like like he's Anthony Michael Foyer or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg! Damn it, Greg. Greg! <laughs> he's making a lot of swings in this movie, and some of them work and some of them oh, yeah. don't. But like he's like trying to tap into, like you said, that I think more apt Robin Williams energy. Because like, he'll okay. throw some like different 
like voices out accents out like he's trying different zany things he wasn't able to do in like the breakfast club this goofy sort of like over the top caricaturing of like stream of consciousness like yeah and and like dated pop culture references and like (laughs) at the same time he is the character who is like i am the most committed to just like justice Mm -hmm. you can be zany and still be a very serious person josh put it very well he's a terrible cop but an actually excellent detective like yeah he would be a great pi oh yeah bad cop he actually solves the mystery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't like using guns. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't use his gun. It just barely loads it. Your gun? No, I'm just happy to see you. No, where is your gun? Look, I thought about it, and I thought it was a very bad idea. Seriously. You know I don't like guns. Casey, this isn't a game. you got to stop playing cop and start being one. Hey, who pulled off the biggest operation in the department this year, pal, huh? And I never even drew my gun, much less fired it. Right, the signifiers that he's a bad cop is, like, he doesn't, like carrying his gun because he thinks it's not necessary. Yeah, and, <laughs> and he tries to rat out, uh, you know, the bad apples in his precinct. <laughs> and just the fact that he's not willing to like give up and say, "All right, bad things happen. What are we gonna do about it? We're only the cops. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> we're only law and order." <laughs> <laughs> When we first are introduced to him, he walks in. He's late. He's yep. been not coming into the police station for weeks at a time, <laughs> <laughs> which is totally acceptable. And Samantha Kennedy, um, no relation. <laughs> his uh, his partner. Uh, his partner. Yeah. His partner is being razzed by Kaminsky, who is an angry Adam Scott-looking type. Uh, <laughs> no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not like totally drive over Mark Harrelick, who plays the teacher who sleeps with Reese Witherspoon in election. <laughs> His, that is at least the role that I know him the best in. Like, if you need to cast a smug asshole, fuck, you couldn't do better. No, he, like, he is he's, perfect in that, in that he's role. He's so perfect. He's, he's this jerk, misogynistic cop who is constantly dismissing both samantha's police work and casey's police work even though casey pulled off the biggest operation of the year apparently (laughs) without a gun it's just so funny how like this movie which is so great yeah (laughs) gives us such a small amount of information yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. tells us virtually nothing so the information does give us is samantha's was assigned to be his partner and has basically spent a year of emotional labor trying to make him a good cop and yeah and and like just to stress it like he's an undercover cop who wears a baseball cap that says lapd and drives around a red mustang convertible that the license plate says oink and wow. I mean, I, I, you got to give it to him, though. In 1988 L.A., the idea that like a like a 14 year old redhead <laughs> would would be wearing an LAPD cap as an undercover cop. I wouldn't see it coming if I was You're drug right, no. dealers. W- would I'm a saying. cop honestly pay the money to get the vanity license plate? O Y N K I you know what? I don't know if a cop would actually do that. <laughs> And Sam starts to, like, you know, fix his tie, fix his jacket, fix his everything because she's his mom. <laughs> Pins a note to his jacket. Yeah. Let's be real. Their relationship where it feels like she's his mom 
makes the subsequent uh, 80 minutes very uncomfortable. So yes. weird. It really does. So weird. Because this is this is still of the time, which is now, I guess, when any <laughs> when any man and woman in a film have to end up together at the end of the right. film. Yep. But like not only end up together, like will be fucking within yep. minutes of the last shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. As soon as credits roll, they're in the sheets. They're going to fucking Bone Town. The operation that Detective Casey is heading is some sort of sting to like buy diamonds off of people who are uh, criminal diamond sellers. <laughs> it is Again, so very vague. Unclear. No information. When you learn the twist of this movie, who the actual villain is. <laughs> It does make it seem like, wait a minute, Chief, what mission are you sending us out on? <laughs> yeah. We're just buying diamonds? <laughs> I'm impressed, Farrell. Well, you see, Mr. Zadar, that uh, it was not an easy task to accomplish because, you see, the settings are very, very old. Oh, well, yes. I want you to handle the delivery. It's an extra 10 grand. Oh, certainly, Mr. Zadar, certainly. So, Zadar, the bad guy. Yeah has two henchmen, and one of them is Robert Zadar, <laughs> which is in, which is it. insane that, like, that must have been so confusing on set when yeah. they're like, oh, Zadar, meet Zadar. So wait, <laughs> did they, na- they must have named the villain after Robert Zadar, right? I had don't to. think so. No? I don't know. It seems- to. I mean, you'd think so, but then why would he not be playing him? Like, like it's yeah, exactly. insane to name to name someone else Zadar when you have a Zadar on screen. It is baffling because, <laughs> dear fellow students here at Video High, it would not take an inordinate amount of googling to realize why Robert Zadar <laughs> is famous is very recognizable. <laughs> <laughs> so when we cut to this criminal den and there's a man behind a desk who's calling all the shots and there's another Weasley man saying, Mr. Zadar, please. And over that Weasley man's shoulder, Robert Zadar's face is there. <laughs> and if you can ever describe any face as being there, <laughs> Robert Zadar's face <laughs> is fucking there. And it is like mind rending. They're talking to the audience. They are talking to us. Right. And they're doing it in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my guess is that the character was named Zadar. And then when they were like doing casting, somebody was probably like, my guess would be Stan Winston, um, just based on intersecting circles of B-movies. You know, we can get Robert Zadar. And somebody was probably like, that's hilarious. So funny. It's so funny. It's also weirdly subversive, and it's funny to, like, no one except us? Like, who is there? I don't know how B-movie monoliths of today were received by the community then. Like, you you know, it's it's like Robert Zadar is one of these people who's, like, casting him in a movie now would be an asset was it then outside of the fact that he that he like has an insane look mm-hmm. and he's great and he's great also and like. he's great yeah well i don't know it's so funny i, I at very least i you know that it's hard to chase down nigh impossible or at least it took me longer than 15 minutes which might as well be impossible <laughs> um i couldn't figure out like production info on this movie no there's very there's very little information on this movie that's baffling 
But if we just go by the earliest release date, 1990 Philippines, let's imagine they're shooting that in 1989, maybe 1988. Like, no, 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 it was on the shelf for two years. It was it was set for release in really? 1988. Yeah. yeah, I think that I think it was shot in 87. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's what? what I mean. Where it's like it's like this movie wasn't released when it was finished. Maniac Cop is 1988, and that is the Robert Zadar movie, at least in terms of like getting his fucking Easter Island face in front of the <laughs> most pairs of eyes. So like this is during his like height moment, but they may have filmed it before he was at least as big a name as he would ever get. The other henchman besides giant wad of chewed gum, Robert Sadar, <laughs> is feral. He's the most, hey, boss, I don't know, Mr. Zadar. He's certainly the most nepishy. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah, by the way. <laughs> uh, he, <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is scared of this whole deal. And, and so Zadar and Zadar... <laughs> The two Zadars. I love that band. Right. The two Z- <laughs> I love that. I love that Armenian restaurant. The two Zadars. <laughs> two Zadars call the police. Like, we're going to do this diamond interaction, money for diamonds, at a children's playground at night. So foggy. That pl- that so place, foggy. Are they near a swamp? Is there swamp gas all the time? Like, what's happening there? This diamond handoff goes awry. It's fun. He got to the top of the slide to get a view of the perimeter, to get a to to yep. assess from an <laughs> eagle's nest. Then he slides down, and he gets sort of lost in the playground, as any of us would. Yep. When a mysterious man from the shadows, wearing sunglasses and a trench coat and fedora, bashes our lead detective Casey over the head. <laughs> What was it? Probably found the seesaw. Like, really knocks him cold. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, if I didn't already know this movie, I would have been like, oh, well, he's dead. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a fun <laughs> character to have for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Takes the briefcase. Of money. Then goes and meets with Farrell, who hands over the diamonds. This mysterious person hands him a, a briefcase and scoots away. And as Farrell goes to read. Read? Read. <laughs> As Farrell goes to read all the numbers on the dollar bills, <laughs> essentially what he was going to do. You call it counting here in Upworld. <laughs> we call it number reading. He opens it up, sees that there's a bomb in the briefcase, and then immediately blows it. Does up. he see it, or does he just explode? I don't know if he had time to comprehend. He does, he does have like that George Miller, like whoa, like. <laughs> That's the thing is like there's like a strain of darkness in this movie which uh, reveals itself in its first moment. In that moment, like, we get a very quick close-up of him at least seeing, hey, this isn't money. What's this? Which would be, that's what's so dark. That would be all your brain would have time to if you activated, like, an explosive device. You'd be like, huh, what's all these two? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we forgot to mention that Gnorm is watching all of this. The only witness, like all the cops are giving Casey a hard time as we fade out of the image of a person who has just been blown, like there was a person and now there isn't. <laughs> like death in its most like sudden and like upsettingly stark way 
And the chief, who, you know, may be trying out different tactics in his ruse, is like, eh, kid, that happens. You know, sometimes (laughs) sometimes this shit happens. You get, you, you know, you get knocked out. Someone dies on your watch. But hey, that's being a cop. So we get the first of what feels like, uh, 10 you're off the case Casey yeah. scenes yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. that happens so many times in this movie <laughs> you're off the Casey but Casey can't let it go Casey is like all right I'm just gonna kind of like like futz around and see what I can find somehow in the middle of the night far away from our scene as it was happening in a tree is a tiny brown bag that he sees somehow silhouetted against the, the the moonlight and then first thought is hmm i'm gonna go climb a huge tree to get that i mean it makes sense that he's because he's 14 years old he doesn't want to investigate by where the dead body that's was gross. blown to that's bits gross. that's yeah that's gross and like upsetting and like a real bummer he's man. gotta get home before bedtime yep right before tuck in it is inexplicable besides the fact that he needs to get it. Yeah, it is like the truest form of a contrivance. Also, the fact that like when he pulls out the lumen and it is what could only be described as a shiny iridescent huge gem. The idea in his mind is not that these are the gems that were supposed like if he had been like, "Oh, I somehow found the hiding spot of the gems I was supposed to pick up. No. (laughs) Instead, he's like, whoop, I found a 20. Right. (laughs) To be honest, that's like less of a concern in this scene. Like the thing that is more concerning to me is that someone has been blown up in a playground. And everyone right. just left the crime scene. And everyone just <laughs> leaves. Yeah. Exactly. Like, everyone's like, well, what else are we going to do? The kids will come here. They'll love it. Like, they love holes in the ground and, and rusted metal and shit. And a leg on top of the slide. And- so he puts the pouch with the luminant on his neck. And that's where we get, the again, a, a peek at the godlike powers of this little imp, Ganorm. Because they're walking to, like, 90s comedy scene music. Gnorm is walking behind him and can move so fast that whenever Anthony Michael Hall turns his head, he can like step out of your peripheral vision quicker than your brain can catch it, which is insane. It's yeah. insanely fast. He has flash-like powers. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Gnorm jumps Casey in the garage. <laughs> he fucking pistol whips Gnorm into unconsciousness. And like, we can't be sure that Gnorm talked the way he does before the pistol. (laughs) (laughs) No! No! We don't hear him talk. We don't meet any other Gnomes. He could have been much better spoken before his skull was bashed in by a 38 special. That is a conspiracy corner if ever we've had one. The scene with Casey trying to like get information from Gnorm is one of the best scenes in the movie marked by the fact that Gnorm is looking at at Casey holding the lumen crystal like I looked at my wife the day we got married (laughs) like yeah Yeah. that actor Gnorm the Gnome is really good (laughs) yeah puts in a great performance I don't know he calls Sam and has a they have a little sex comedy together. I mean, it, yeah, it's four in the morning, and he calls her up, and he's trying to describe what he's looking at. Hello, Sam, Casey. Listen, you gotta come over to my place 
Casey, we've been through this before. There's something here I gotta show you. It's this, this thing. This little hairy thing. I don't know what to do with it. I'm sure you'll think of something, Casey. Good night. The best part about it is she, she's like, please hang up. And then like two minutes later calls back and goes, all right, I'm wide awake. I'm ready to talk yeah. about right, this. Right, right, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. So That's great. so great. Everyone in the LAPD is just like. DTF. To our, to our, our fans at home. Does that work? <laughs> Tweet at us. It's pretty slick. Honestly, if it was well, a move, it's what, pretty it, slick. Wait, wait, is wait, it? it? No, it's not. It's not at all. Yeah, the idea of like of calling it little, yeah. not a sell. Well, then it's bold. It's always boldness it's is the, yeah, it's the, the naked she's man. Like, <laughs> right. The, the problem with the theory of flirting that movies from this time pitch to us is that like fortune favors the bold. And what's bolder <laughs> than calling someone up and saying like, hey, my dick's little, but you know. What else are you doing? <laughs> when he tries to talk to Sam again, he's like, I have a witness. And Sam's like, all right, we'll bring him in tomorrow morning. Because as you know, cop hours are from 8 to 6 p.m. Yeah. on weekdays. <laughs> like, what? Why? I'm saying, Sam, I have a witness to the murder. <laughs> With I me. mean, to be fair, it was, it, he is like being like a real buzzkill in her mind, right? So now she's like, okay, whoa, whoa. so you you called me to fuck. Then I called you to fuck. <laughs> Then you called me back to talk shop. This is this is too much tomorrow. But this is a murder that just happened, and yet that doesn't solve her horny problem. Nope. Sure. Can I get a witness? (laughs) (laughs) Well, not until after Gnorm escapes, uses his magic powers to make. Casey fall asleep. I mean, to be fair, the, the magic to make somebody fall asleep is yawning, which yawns are contagious, you know? We get two more scenes of that. I don't even think it's the yawning. I think Gnorm's doing something with, like, chemicals in their brain. Oh, yeah. 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 He's manipulating their very being. Yeah, the yawning feels more like laughing at them, yeah. really. <laughs> so, Detective Casey brings Gnorm back to the park there is like a really beautiful moment where he takes ganorm out of a bag truly beautiful moment what a sentence and ganorm sees the daytime sky even though it's overcast for the first time and he's like overtaken by its beauty there was a good like spielbergian moment it was a lovely there. moment again like this does a lot to humanize the gnome in this movie like you do in later scenes perhaps he's a little too human but (laughs) inarguably but is there anything more human than strutting around to low rider while wearing a pair of sunglasses and ogling a couple women's butts no come on i'll tell you i haven't found anything more human they're not butts he's talking about popos and roundies (laughs) he's looking at roundies wait is that butts boom Kaboom, right, the explosion. So you did see it. Now, what did you see? Kaboom. Kaboom, right, but someone made the kaboom. Now, who was it? Giant. A giant. Giant. No eyes. Scream. Kaboom. Blind. Screaming giant. And we learned very quickly that when Gnorm said giant, he meant just like a per, like a normal-sized person. Yeah, this is when Casey starts to put together the lingo. 
He, he puts right. together that no eyes is sunglasses. Giant is human. But and the scream he hasn't pieced together, yeah. The scream he hasn't figured out, and we all know what Kaboom is. We all know what Kaboom. But yeah, that upworlders to uh, gnomes are giant, <laughs> and gnomes themselves are good size. <laughs> that is like that is like the truest form of like we all we all experience normal in our own way. Like right. good normal, <laughs> good normal. <laughs> God own. damn it, dear listener, live whatever is your good normal. <laughs> This is the GNU normal. (laughs) (laughs) They return to Casey's place, which has been trashed. And this is when Zadar jumps him. But not the real Zadar. We have to be very... We have to explain every time which Zadar we're talking about. Why did they do this to us? Zadar is ready to kill him with his gold switchblade, which was sweet. (laughs) So cool. While Casey is trying to talk his way out of it... Our boy Gnorm, who is handcuffed to Casey, but is yet as of yet unseen by Zadar, <laughs> takes a big fucking chunk out of his ass <laughs> with those with those big horse teeth, <laughs> and then immediately full fists his yep. balls and dick, yep. and just starts like twisting. <laughs> the guy who plays Zadar. He plays like ball torture pretty well. <laughs> he, play, he really sells ball torture. Once again, Ganorm is pistol whipped. Yes. And Zadar, like, fucking books. Books it with the, the lumen. Yeah. He, he takes the lumen. And Casey and Ganorm do not, even though Ganorm wants to, they do not immediately pursue him. <laughs> Casey is like, hey, we're going to get some stuff straight between us. And Ganorm's like, but bad guy leaving now. <laughs> Should not we go? <laughs> Plot in motion. <laughs> yeah. Contrivance. Stay here is contrivance. <laughs> right. Lazy screenwriting, me think. Yeah, but instead they hang around for a little while, and then they go on a stakeout at Muscle Beach. Checking out the real Zadar, fucking getting his pump on at Muscle Beach in Santa Monica. I mean, the scene where, where they're eating, and he learns that Ganorm only wants to eat paper and cardboard, A, is amazing. B yeah. the sequence where they where they become oh, no. sp- oh, no. spit spit brothers. Oh. Jay, I was so excited. Ganorm doesn't want to tell Casey what <laughs> he is unless Casey will spit on it and promise never to tell anyone. Yes, I hate that I just ate something because I don't know if I can describe something that has made me feel more viscerally ready to puke than the image of Ganorm spitting into his hand because (laughs) it's a string that's a little too thick, a little too strong, and goes on a little too long to the point where I was gagging at this <laughs> puppet spitting. <laughs> a special effects artist is only as good as his goop. Like, right. Oh yeah, it comes out of a hose you know, like, <laughs> yeah. with way too much force. It's a tad too like opaque white. Yes, yeah. it is. Oh yeah. It's like the rain and singing in the rain. <laughs> yeah. They, they added milk to it so it would be yeah. more visible oh, on screen. God. Like seriously, well, I've seen plenty of blood and guts and gore and everything in movies and I am never gross out because i'm like that's not real this though i was like yeah (laughs) spits spits the thing for you huh it must be it that's the thing spit on word it's very attractive spit it's the scene that i 
definitely like held on to oh, okay. that like really stuck out to me in this movie. Whereas um, the fact that he's a little fucking horn dog did not. <laughs> that, that, that skipped through your he's brain. He's looking just... too damn fly. He's on muscle beats. This is 1988. It's not perfect. Not since Howard the Duck has a puppet been so horny. Like... <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I think the one misstep in this higher movie is that we only get one shot of uh, Robert Zadar fucking on Muscle Beach fucking sculpting his fucking jealous, <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a fucking Seriously, I would have watched it. You could have cut 15 minutes of just like Jock Jam's music and him <laughs> like fucking blasting his delts. I would have watched that. You had me, movie. So they end up at like a Chinese meat wholesaler type spot to follow Reggie, played by Robert Zadar, to blackmail him for information and... Casey basically has brought Gnorm with him, <laughs> dressed up like a baby for some reason. Like a yeah. Victorian ghost child. <laughs> yes. Now, we like to pin it on Zadar, but if we can't, we're going to pin it on you. Unless, of course, you want to lead us to your boss. I don't like being leaned on, you understand? And most of all, I don't like cops. Is that your kid? <laughs> I like kids. Hey, what kind of a father are you anyway? Well, I don't know about that. Bring my kid to an environment like this. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. He loves kids. He, he, loves, he loves kids, kids. and he has no qualms about killing a child's father in front of him. <laughs> it's, right. It's, it's such a <laughs> good dichotomy because Robert Zadar is playing it so straight. Yes. And Robert Zadar has these tiny, tiny sunglasses on that just fucking killed me. Yeah. Well, we don't know how tiny on a normal face the sunglasses may have been. It's an optical illusion. Those are actually novelty yeah. sunglasses. <laughs> right. I have expected Anthony. You might Hall to be like, ah, gee, it really takes a long time to get choked out, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, he has a whole dialogue scene with just his larynx crushed. <laughs> like, I thought I'd pass out by now. <laughs> and then, as Robert Zadar is going to kill Detective Casey, a literal psycho sting plays. <laughs> Fucking. Gnorm meat hooks Robert yes. Zadar in the scrotum. Yep. Is it scrotum or butt? I got it. Listen, those ch- those chinos were all so loose, it's hard to say where contact was made. <laughs> right. Like, he only hit Gene. Yeah, like. Did he hit, hit him directly in sphincter, in scrotum, in the gooch in between? I don't care. Yeah. It's horrifying. <laughs> Children's movie. <laughs> because then Robert Zadar falls into just a pool of like chicken viscera and blood. Like he's got salmonella yeah. <laughs> inside of his scrotum sac. Can you, like, can you imagine? Oh, no, can you even imagine? His giblets are gone while he's in the giblets. <laughs> Both chickens and his own. <laughs> His own giblets mixing with the giblets. And then never comes back because he is dead. Yeah. Well because well because no, because he's a he's a goddamn shamed. Yeah. Especially in the criminal world, how do you come back from that? Especially if you think that that was actually a baby child. And we get another costume change for Gnorm. I love it. Oh. He's disguised as Paddington. Yeah. yeah. Fucking like, Paddington this... Bear is back and he means business, baby. I like <laughs> Gnorm is like Cher. He just goes through fucking quick right. changes throughout this movie. Then they go to character Zadar's office. And as Paddington Bear, 
uh, Gnorm approaches Zadar and is like, give me back the lumen. And uh, Casey says, don't do it, Gnorm. He's got a gun. <laughs> and Gnorm is like, Shaba gun, which Shaba is like his uh, shit. Yeah. Uh, by the way, again, happy Hanukkah, Josh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't shoot guns on Shabbos. <laughs> <laughs> But Gnorm just approaches Zadar with the gun because, again, guns have just been a blunt object he's been hit in the head with. He hasn't seen a gun go off, and Zadar shoots the gun at Casey and runs off. And Gnorm is, like, terrified because he didn't know guns <laughs> did that. He didn't now know he that, knows. that gun's kaboom. <laughs> and so what begins oh. is... Oh, oh what God. begins? Oh, wow. I'm going to say this. There are often times when the four of us will say, this is the greatest insert blank in cinema yeah. history. We say that a lot. It's a superlative. It's fun. We just really like those things. So I'm going to put a flag heavily in this, that this is the greatest car chase in <laughs> cinema history. Casey, 100% agree. Yes. It's got it all. It's got it's literally well choreographed. It, all. it is clear what the action is, which is something right. that is extremely hard to do in a car chase. Right. It works in a variety of jokes with pathos. So Casey and Gnorm come out, find that the, their tires have been slashed. Zadar drives past them. What are they gonna do? Casey hijacks a car. LAPD, daddy car. You got a LAPD, daddy car. car. Wait a minute, hey, hey! What do you think you're doing? Give me my car! LAPD. Not realizing, it is a hearse. Oh no. <laughs> Not only <laughs> is it a hearse, it is a hearse leading a funeral procession. <laughs> Yeah, down Wilshire Boulevard. Yes. It's it's and, and to make to top it off, the funeral procession follows the car chase. I know. Yeah, it's, it's so good. And like has so these like good. these these little moments. What is she for? We must be running late. It begins with he gets in the hearse, looks back, sees that there's like a casket in the back of this hearse. The camera pulls up to a wide, seeing that it's a hearse at the front of a funeral procession. And then Anthony Michael Hall essentially just breaks the fourth wall, looks in the camera and <laughs> yeah. says, well, guess, guess this is happening. <laughs> guess we're doing this. He takes off after Zadar, who thinks he's gotten away and is sort of like smugly like fixing his eyebrow in the rearview mirror. <laughs> and sees a fucking hearse with funeral procession zooming towards him, goes, holy shit, and like takes off. Reaches under his passenger seat to pull out the passenger side Uzi he keeps in his car. The rest of the funeral procession has tried to like keep pace with him now chasing in the hearse and they start crashing into each other. He shoots the Uzi at the hearse. Which, Gnorm, which yeah, scares Gnorm and he jumps into the coffin not knowing what that's going to be about. Uh, and as he hops out again, as why dead man in box? I don't know. It's just the way we do it here, okay? World crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Magnificent. Magnificent. And then it all ends with the cars crashing. The funeral procession and the hearse all get into this huge pile up in, in like downtown. And the coffin falls out and the body falls out of the coffin onto the ground. And a good Samaritan passing by runs up to the body <laughs> and tries to give it CPR. We can still save him. We can still save him. 
It's fucking, it's the greatest punchline scene. And so, like, as he's trying to give CPR, he has all of the, like, funeral makeup <laughs> rubbing onto yeah. his face. And, uh, and Casey just kind of, like, gestures to the coffin, gestures to the dead body, <laughs> and leaves this guy to have an existential crisis. This man is scarred for yeah. life. It. It's hard for me to think of a car scene that I like more than this. <laughs> it's so hard to do car chases. And yeah. in many, many bigger, more modern movies, they failed miserably. Again, I think it's Huge. on par with like What's Up Doc, honestly, in terms of just like nice. a comedic, well choreographed, well staged car chase. So while Casey is sort of, I guess, dealing with all this Ganorm has been able to like continue to give chase to Zadar and see Zadar go into a hotel. Ganorm tries to continue after him, but Ganorm really never gets his head around the concept of glass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we forgot to address this runner because this starts early. Yep. Because this is uh, Los Angeles, there are a lot of sliding glass doors in between <laughs> it's things. true. That's a known fact. That yes. might be the top feature of Los Angeles yes. is yeah. sliding yeah. glass doors. I'm not even lying. That's what that movie's about. <laughs> <laughs> After getting undone by a glass door, Ganorm is scared by the outside world and this is where he like starts Aren't to- Aren't we all? <laughs> the shell starts to crack a little bit but then at the same time, Sam shows up and is like, God, you really fucking destroyed a funeral, Casey. That's <laughs> <laughs> some bad copping, bro. Yeah. And, we can uh, forgive a lot of things on the force. But right. Ruining a funeral procession is nah. not one of them. Th yeah, this is the second... You're off the case, Casey. Right. You're yeah. off the Casey. Stan, <laughs> Captain Stan suspends Casey. Sam is like, who is this witness that you have? And Casey stands by his fucking spit. Yeah. He says, I spit. I spit on my words. I will not tell you that my witness is a, a gnome. <laughs> Again, everyone disperses after what can only be described <laughs> as a catastrophe. Yeah. Right. A like Massive, like, multi-car pileup. Casey ends up back with... Gnorm decides to follow Gnorm. So they take the elevator up to Zadar's penthouse. This is a bizarre scene. Casey makes Zadar scream at gunpoint so that Gnorm yeah. can like identify it as the scream he it's, heard. It's so good. It's yeah. so, so weird. Now, I want to hear you scream. Loud blade you got there. Drop the knife. The little guy's going to chew your face off, okay? Scream! Scream. <laughs> Again, louder. Louder! The scream is very uncanny. It is not like a human being screams at all. It's very like Wilhelm-esque yeah. in that it's outside the realm of human vocal cords. Zadar's a really really good side villain too yeah not to be outdone grabs ganorm holds him out the window uh right ov dangling over the los angeles street and a pistol a pistol stories oh, down a, a, a snub a nose, snub yeah. snub yeah. nose like pistol special. fires yeah. hits zadar through the heart through yeah. the right. back killing yeah. him Instantly, yeah. the The idea of an assassination with a snub nosed <laughs> pistol is actually insane, right? From the, from stories down, the idea of gnomes is more believable. Well, 
it is revealed that it's actually <gasps> Special Homicide Detective Lenny Briscoe of One <laughs> Order. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum. Incredible twist, which I like because we know Jerry Orbach. I would have never expected him to be a baddie. I don't know if I was watching this in the context of 1992, if I would have that same thought. But right. in this moment, I, I, shocking to me. Shocking. <laughs> it's impossible to... Lumiere? Like, no. Lumiere. <laughs> it's impossible to divorce his face from just like, mm-hmm. good cop. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he's the father figure to... Casey. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, and Jerry Orbach is such a fucking good actor that he never tell he doesn't give you a tell in the entirety right. of that the rest like of the movie. he's like mustache twirling, like, yeah. hmm, I'll never know it was me. Like, no, he's right. great. Casting him would be the perfect reactionary like comedy casting <laughs> that one would do yes, if after you, totally. Law and Order. Yeah, totally. after Law and Order. The fact that he did it before is like is it's only so why yeah, is only wild having watched it after decades of Law and Order have yeah. been burned into our cultural retinas. It's and so weird. It's like this movie might as well have been his screen test to be Lenny Bruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stan's plan is also perfect in that he shoots with you know, basically like the cop gun puts it into a, a manila envelope that he can do this this beautiful sleight of hand switch so he could just like hand off the true murder weapon as yeah. if it was the issued gun by Casey. Come see Stan Walton at the Magic Castle in a close-up. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and it would have worked if not for, for that. meddling kid. <laughs> meddling gnomes. <laughs> yeah. So ready to pin this murder on Detective Casey in what is, it's so funny, of all the extrajudicial society endangering things that cops do in this movie, like shooting a suspect who is endangering the life of a witness is perfectly explainable. (laughs) It's like, it's like, that is not the thing that should take down Casey. (laughs) But it does. Book him for murder. What? Thank you, sir. What? Let's go, buddy. Come on! Stan, what are you doing? You know Casey. I mean, half the time he doesn't even load his gun. Fine. Fine, Sam. Here's Gallagher's gun. Take it down to ballistics and check it out yourself. Kavinsky arrests Casey. Casey is brought into the back of a police wagon. And in it is Gnorm, who's being taken (laughs) to the police station, too. And this is when we get Gnorm's admission that he only stole the lumen to become a hotshot for a gnome named Rena, who, which I can only yeah. assume has a silent G in it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And you can also assume has some fucking bomb-ass popo. Yeah. <laughs> he admits that he's a tunneler, not a warrior, uh, but he yep. did it for the pukas, which is yeah. gnomist for girlfriend. Not girlfriend. <laughs> Not, d- 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 uh, he's going to come down and she's going to be it. like, that's cool that you did it. I'm <laughs> Flat- flattered. 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 <laughs> flattered. Not interested. I'm flattered that you doomed who knows how many hundreds or thousands to death while you went on this multi-day <laughs> adventure to look at the sun. <laughs> 
this is the moment where they really nail home that Casey and Ganorm have grown to love each other. <laughs> like, they've grown to become the closest and best of friends. Like, Casey is now willing to, in some amount, sell out his own species <laughs> because the, he has this monologue and he says, like, humans can't know about gnomes. We will kill all of you. <laughs> if you are captured, you will be cut up and made an experiment. If we know there's a society of people under the ground, we will find them, take whatever valuable metals they have. You at least have diamonds. <laughs> we will take those. What does it matter if you're a tunneler or a warrior when you're all dead? Humanity is a virus. This is basic stuff, Ganorm. I am a cop. What am I doing in the paddy wagon? <laughs> They're taken back to the police station. And there's a uh, hilarious they... booking montage. Oh, this montage. What is that guy? Come on, write it up. <laughs> Again, no one seems to be surprised or horrified yeah, by no, this losing. creature. They're, they're, no, they're mostly just kind of like amused. They're like, you want us to right. book that thing? We don't even know what it is. Book them. All right. Wackity schmackity do. <laughs> it's very wacky. And if anything, Kaminsky, I mean, he's told by the chief, like, fuck this thing's judicial rights. Yeah. <laughs> but he, Kaminsky goes so much farther than that, which is like, look, I don't know what it is. I don't know what its importance to the case is. I don't know what is legal or ethical. But I need to see his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that. Strip him. Strip, strip him. Strip him. He's like, I know one thing as a cop is when you bring someone in for questioning, you humiliate them. Yeah. <laughs> you sexually humiliate them. That's cop 101. Yeah. And then we, the audience, are treated to a view of a gnome's ass and just oh. the outline of his uh, balls. There's a lot. This movie made me think of scrotums a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and it is when... Ganorm is completely buck-ass naked is when Detective Sam decides to rejoin the movie yeah. right. <laughs> to, to get an eyeful of what I can only imagine is not the most uncomfortable naked body she's ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, by her eyes... His dick is at least impressive for his body for his, size. I, yes, like, that's exactly yeah. what she's thinking. Certainly implied. Yeah. I'm just wondering <laughs> if, if if an ass is a roundy and boobs are popos, then what is a penis? <laughs> that's an excellent question. We don't get we that slang. Poke poke. <laughs> poke poke. You know what? I, I a poke, poke poke. Yes. Yes. Poke, poke. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying anything until you let him go. So forget about it. Okay, look, let's not butt heads. Just give me a few simple answers so that I can let him go, all right? I mean, who is he? What is he? And, oh, and what's he got to do with this whole Zadar thing? No, he has no connection with Zadar. Don't be an asshole, Stan. Let him go. Don't talk to me that way, boy. You talk to your friends that way, but not to me. You're up for murder, Gallagher, and I'll let him toast you. I'll put you away for life and throw away the key. So don't you ever talk to me that way again because I don't have to listen to this. Now, was this thing a witness or not? No! I said no! That does it, boy. I'm switching you off. When Stan turns his hearing aid and we hear the high-pitched scream from the night of the explosion, and that's when Gnorm realizes that the scream was actually the hearing aid. For a movie that mainly stars a very expressive Gnome, 
uh, it's still a pretty good detective story. Yeah. Like, it's still a pretty good noir. They lay out the pieces, and they, they follow up on them. Giant, no eyes, scream are things that all pays off. And they follow the, like, the the, the rules of the mystery. Where right. It's- yeah. Even later when Sam gets on Casey's side, and they have to go back and do the final climax at the park because he's like, Stan wouldn't have like grabbed the suitcase of money. There would have been too many cops around. He'd have to have gone back to the park. It's like a good reason to like, you know, shoot your movie in not that many locations. Like yeah. for everything <laughs> else this movie is, it is a pretty good detective story deep, like at its core. And we have a scene where Stan is trying to interrogate him and he backhands the <laughs> shit out of him. Yeah. And like, it's like a moment of, of weird clarity where it's like, it actually feels like the disparate elements of the movie are actually fighting for yeah. control where it's like, it's like the literal detective and crime elements of the story are like, no, we're important. And the fantastical <laughs> yeah. elements are just like, hey, why you hate me, bro? I know, well, yeah. yeah it, and, it, and it's both like, uh, it's both above and below Jerry Orbach's stature, I feel like this moment where like it's so, <laughs> totally. he's playing it so believable that you're like, you monster, you backhanded Gnorm, that's terrible. Yeah. And then at the Our same beloved Gnorm, and then at the same time you're like, oh my god, Jerry Orbach, you're so much better a person than this moment when you had to backhand a puppet on set. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to make that moment intimidating and scary, that's awesome. Yeah, Jerry yeah. Orbach, yeah. fucking rest in power. Power, bro like the gravitas needed for no, an actor nobody to did like it do oh, a performance yeah. where you're intimidating a puppet and it yeah. doesn't read as ridiculous right is awesome meanwhile sam is very quick to get on board that it is it's the chief who did it the chief is a murderer i think the thing that clinches it is when Ganorm tunnels into the cell. Totally. And you're trying to tell me that he just happened to pop up in the middle of the park just in time to see somebody blown to smithereens by none other than our own captain of detectives correct I'm supposed to believe any of this. Shabba. Sam, meet Norm. Puka Sam. I will say, I, I feel I feel bad for this lone female in this precinct oh, yeah. who is seeing who's seeing everyone's fucking dong yeah yes. where, where she's just always in the wrong place at the wrong time where she ends up seeing kaminsky oh right oh that's right in the i buff. totally forgot that ganorm <laughs> makes it work where he strips he like takes back the sexual humiliation yep. he, he like makes does kaminsky fall asleep yeah, he does him. his yawn power yeah <laughs> strips him and escapes and Sam walks in on that. It's quite a day. Yeah, Sam and Casey tunnel out. Gnorm jumps into the chief's car. Chief drives foggy away to get the parking lot. Fo- yeah, foggy. <laughs> yeah, the interior garage is foggy. He pulls a Cape Fear and like hangs to the bottom of the car and right. drops down. Like, I mean, his this skin is... is indestructible as we've established, but. Right, he's an immortal being. <laughs> he can't be killed. So we're back. At the park, Casey deduces where Stan hid the briefcase, which is under the spinny merry-go-round. Thanks, Casey. Now you just get your ass up. And Casey and Stan have this pretty cool fist fight on top of the cages of the abandoned L.A. Zoo. Stan, why? Don't be naive, boy. It's a lot of money. More than I made in 25 years on the job. Stan corners Casey, 
he pulls out Casey's own gun on him, but Sam knocks out Stan, and Casey got the whole thing on tape. But then Stan gets right back up, and then Norm tunnels up and bites Stan right in the balls. Chekhov's uh, ball bite, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You always were a smart-ass brat, Gallagher. Now you and the little girl are gonna have to pay for it. You die, slug slime. This scene will not let up. Stan gets up, shoots Gnorm, and Gnorm goes flying out the cage, like across the zoo, which gives Casey and Sam the time to get the jump on Jerry Orbach, Stan. Captain. Right. Detective Casey is so like enraged. He's given a sort of the killer instinct, though he doesn't kill my him. Boy, my boy! <laughs> right. My child! Seeing his sweet Gnome, Gnorm, get shot. And then he beats the shit out of Jerry Orbach. Yeah. <laughs> in a cage, in a zoo! The 20-something-year-old beats the shit out of this elderly <laughs> Jerry Orbach. And then the rest of the movie is kind of like delightful tie-up. It's revealed that the bullet did not penetrate Ganorm's root hard flesh because he is a god. Remember, I, I just want to say, uh, in the in the world of the gnomish, the gnomish warriors, I want to see a version of the warriors. Yeah, with with Where they're chasing gnomes. him down. Yeah, tunnelers. <laughs> <laughs> Come out to. <laughs> yeah, Greg, you're right. If he's the wuss of this society, what is going on down what there? What are the warriors' powers? Right. They could wipe out humanity in an instant if they wanted. Oh yeah, if they came up to Upworld, that would be it. We would be there would be no more Upworld. <laughs> Pray the warriors never come for us. Detective Casey climbs a tree. Uh the sun is rising and he charges the lumen <laughs> with the sunrise. Uh he yeah. packs it up all nice and neat to give to Gnorm to bring back to his people. Sam kisses Gnorm goodbye on the cheek, but he wants it on the lips. Oh, he fucking fucking max hard (laughs) on Sam. Yeah, and then we just get a really nice... A really nice... It's the greatest ending of any movie I've ever seen, but... No, this... As much as I love this movie, this ending... Looses me completely. <laughs> How dare you? Is it, is it because you dislike the idea of the female orgasm, Josh? <laughs> yeah. Is it because you're uncomfortable talking about sex in public? It's okay. That's normal. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with seeing Gnorm op- <laughs> open mouth kiss a human woman. What's that's That sounds like a you problem. <laughs> right. What this movie's been saying all along is we... We men have always said gnome as if the G doesn't exist. And the the gnomes the gnomes know that the G is very much not a myth. gone yeah 
Uh. <clears throat> hey, slug lips. Something wrong with you? Make her toes curl. The rip off report card is about to come at you. <laughs> <laughs> the a gnome named Norm ripoff report card is brought to you by the unreleased Upworld sequel Stand by Me, where head of detective Stan Walton is found by a group of Norms dead in a zoo cage, and they have to tunnel home, having learned something about life and death, which they seemingly can't do. <laughs> You know when you're at the height of climax and your whole body kind of seizes up? Oh, yuck, wait, yuck, no, no, Greg. Every single nerve in your body seems to be electrified and engaged in the experience. Uh The term toe-curling orgasm used to describe sex that is so good that your toes curled due to the full body pleasure experience. I've heard stories. But why toe-curling, question mark? Is this just a turn of phrase, or is there some truth to it? Turns out, there is. So says Sharp.com's Gigi Engel. Well, the idea of a toe-curling orgasm is almost exactly what you'd think. Our bodies are filled with interconnected nerves. When we copulate, things tense up, especially as we near orgasm. Thus, toe-curling. The <laughs> etymology happening. seems to have started... <laughs> What's happening? Sex ed class at the Ohio. <laughs> Wait, Greg, 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 Greg. I got. I I have a note from my parents saying I'm religiously exempt from this lesson. Nope. No, oh, no, what? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, we need to. You need to know about the big O, girl. No. <laughs> you gots to know. <laughs> the etymology seems to have started in the early 1900s, but as phrases often change. It used to mean something so unpleasant as to make you squirm. And so your reaction to Gnorm's final line is right in line with the original meaning. (laughs) (laughs) To continue into another erogenous zone, I'd like to take a minute to talk about my favorite big-faced baddie, Robert Zadar. Yeah. A B-movie legend so big, he might have eaten a twin in utero. Always a sign that I'll like a movie, Zadar has graced us with more than a hundred appearances in films, so there's plenty of him to go around. Born Robert James Zadarsky, because fucking of course, (laughs) his hutch turned out to be a medical condition known as cherubism, where many small cyst-like growths replace bone in the jawline. And, and thus, Zadar is truly unmistakable, and therein, a star lies in the making. Yeah. If his roles in classics like Soul Taker, Maniac Cop, and Samurai Cop don't tickle you, his assets were name-checked in Sly Stallone's Tango and Cash, where he plays a villain simply named Face. <laughs> Playing the police chief turncoat Stan Walton, Jerry Orbach is tailor-made to play a cop on screen. But he wasn't always the slick-backed, haired, suit-and-tie type we know him as today. A Bronx native, Orbach got his start on and off Broadway. Legend. Starring in the Fantastics, Carnival! And... and <laughs> <laughs> There's an exclamation point. 
<laughs> I know, you said it right. And Three Penny Opera, <laughs> as well as being nominated for a Tony in his revival in Guys and Dolls, where he played Sky Masterson. When he started landing roles in films, he'd often play heels, such as the crooked NYPD Gnarcotics officer, Detective <laughs> Gus <laughs> Levi in Sidney Lumet's Prince of the City, or Baby's Daddy, Jake Hausman in Dirty Dancing, or the mobster Jack Rosenthal in Woody Allen's Crimes and Misdemeanors. His stars truly aligned when he was cast, obviously, as Lenny Briscoe on the hit and long-running TV show Law & Order, thus proving that Italian-Americans aren't the only ones who can go from consigliere to commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I learned and, and this shouldn't be surprising that I learned this now, but that he was also the voice of Lumiere, yeah. the candelabra in Disney's Beauty and the Beast, as yeah. both the acting and the singing voice, which is aided by his musical theater experience. Mm -hmm. So seemingly his voice says, be my guest, while his look says, make my day. <laughs> <laughs> It's unfortunate that the director didn't go on to do much, huh? Yeah, you yep. wish he had done anything else in his career. Seriously. Speaking of which, I found this poster online from, like, the marketing for this movie. And uh -huh. the, the log line is, Jurassic Park's T-Rex creator presents his funniest and furriest creature. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> Gnorm tried to touch Sam's roundy. Rip, 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 rip off. Rip off report card. All right, class, go over your notes and let me know what might end up on the final test. The year was 1993. My family had moved from a little town in the border of Canada and Maine called Coben Gore. We were trying to move to our new house in Gorham, Maine. But Is that gargoyle backwards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you living in Troll too? Yes. Yeah, what yes. the hell? Is that? <laughs> but our house hadn't been finished yet, so in the interim, we were renting a condo in southern Maine. And I think because me and my sisters were having difficulty like adjusting to this new home that wasn't really a home, one morning I woke up and came out into the living room and there was a pile of presents. Now this was weird because this was the middle of August. What? I asked my mom, what, what is this? Where did all these presents come from? And my mom goes, oh, it was the condo troll. The condo troll came and brought these gifts for you girls because you live in a condo. And <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck? What is that? Okay, where is this going? Or is this cut the, the music? Or, uh, cut the music. Or is this is this the plot of the next movie that we're watching <laughs> no, next week? Condo I, Troll Two. I have to feel like this has to do with a gnome named Gnor. Like they came out the same time. And this is a look into my life. <laughs> I'm what speechless. Uh, <laughs> well, I had a final thought. Now I have many. My my final thought was don't open a briefcase. Like, yeah, it could be an explosive. Like, I, I'm done. I'm out. Uh, the best Hanukkah gift of all is watching 
Gnomes with all of you. Oh, man. <laughs> Fucking happy Hanukkah, man. You too. One and all. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get some Galatkos? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much to all my classmates for joining me in the deep, dark recesses of my childhood memories where the movie A Gnome Named Gnorm lives. This show would not be possible without so many of our beautiful pukas. That includes Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of the band Scout Harris for our theme song, Justin Ferraro of the bands The Rizzos and Lowboy for our other music, and Shira for our lovely logo, and of course our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe. If you like the show, let us know. We're on a bunch of those social medias. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Video High Podcast and on Twitter at VideoHigh.pod. In two weeks, the teacher will give us a Christmas break from reality with 1964's The Magic Christmas Tree. So watch it and join us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And from all of us here at Video High... Greg Hansen, Jamie Kennedy, Josh Roth, and myself, Casey Regan. We want to wish you a very happy first night of Hanukkah, and we will see you next class. This started with 48 Hours, which is like mm-hmm. racist cop and black man. <laughs> like, 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 it, like it becomes Sam Waterston and a bear. <laughs> Would watch. Oh, I would watch the hell out of that. Claw in order. <gasps> oh, I set it up and I didn't even pay it off. <laughs> wow. Up, up, up in, in your, your ears. ears. Podcast Network. Podcast Network.